0: So um, developing mindfulness is the uh, obvious theme for meditation retreat and the seventh factor of the eightfold path. And of course mindfulness has become a very much more commonly used word. Of course it's only the English rendition of sati but now mindfulness is used for cognitive therapy and stress reduction and, and though it's great that this sort of interest or this you know moves out of purely Buddhist context, the problem is it also gets diluted, and uh mindfulness sometimes just seems seems to me something like being attentive, but mindfulness is a bit more than that. Sati is more than that. <coughs> attention, is one, attention is one thing. Mindfulness or Sati is another thing. Different things. Attention is just a normal factor of mind that you're always, you know, focusing on anything. as attention. It just means the, just the consciousness is functioning. It's a normal function. <coughs> sati is... Also, uh, a normal function, but it's it means it uh, it brings attention into your heart. You might say it's sort of like uh, this means something to me. You know, so when you see, you look around, naturally, just the, just the focus on an object requires attention, but to get it, to get the feeling for it, taking it in. That's sati. Yeah. So a lot of the time we we don't have much sati. We always have attention. You know, that is, you just, when you're overloaded, naturally there's some degree of attention to this word and that idea and this thought and that message and this and that and this and that and this and that. But the, there's not much sati. When you don't have the time to take it in, what's this mean to me? What's this feel like? The sati is accompanied by Sampajanya, which is a, a measuring, uh, evaluating um, experience. <coughs> so when you look at the <coughs> foundations of sati or the Satipattana, the establishment of sati, then uh, there are things like you know looking at body when it dies, Decays, degenerates. You see, so that that requires obviously attention there, but you're not just looking at a body like, uh huh, so what? There's a feeling with that of, ah, this is something that bodies do, this is something that this body will do, uh huh, this means something. Hmm? That's sati. Uh, You're letting it take it into your heart, you're letting it touch you. Whereas with attention, it's just uh, that doesn't happen. Attention alone doesn't bring that around. Mm. So Satyam has got this sense of, you're taking in, this means something. Mm. And the problem... Why sati is to be developed is, and why the difficulty of it is that often we are in overload. There's so many objects of attention that your mind doesn't take them in because it's just too much. So in a way one gets used to not taking things in. It's it's just, uh, we get through life like a, with a shell, because it's just either too painful to take things in, or there's not enough time to take things in, or there's not enough self-respect. Like, it doesn't really care, it doesn't really matter what I feel about it anyway. You know? That that sense. So Sati gives you the sense of, this is, is, I'm here, it's meaningful. And then we can uh, consider the um, little parable of the cook The king's cook is an example of sati. So the the cook is sati, and the king is the mind. So the cook prepares some food for the king, (coughs) presents it to the king, and he steps back and he watches what the king eats. Whether the king eats all of it or none of it, experiences distaste, and he checks it out. He He didn't seem to eat like the the potatoes which didn't seem to like the carrots so next tomorrow I will check that out again and then he, through this process he begins to see what the king really enjoys what is meaningful and useful for the king what the king appreciates and then he presents more and more of that and the king feels satisfied and happy so that's sati. you actually bring something in what's does this what's the meaning of this what does it do to the mind yeah, and then and so there's a, there's a learning process with it, you know, which is different from pure attention. Now the point to say this is that why I say this in a way is because uh, there are all kinds of ways in which one or themes which one can develop: sati, maraṇusati sati, mindfulness of death, uh, super kamatan. Uh, Cultivation of the uh, unattractive or, or repelling aspects of the body. Um, Buddha-nusati, recollecting the Buddha. Dhamma-nusati, recollecting the Dhamma, Sangha-nusati. And Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing. <coughs> we can also you know, recognize that recollection of uh, other people's vulnerability brings up compassion recollections of other people's um, goodness brings up metta, uh, recollection of um, appreciation of others brings up mudita, and recollection of karma brings up upeka, equanimity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot we can do there, and, um, you know, it's just to, to... in terms of doing a retreat to find out what does the mind need, benefit from. Sometimes, in fact, bitter medicine is necessary. You know, it doesn't taste so good, but it cures the ailment. Sometimes sweet, when the mind is stressed or tense, we need something sweet and soft. Sometimes you need something pretty easy to get hold of, when the mind is numb or dull. Sometimes you want something that's more, um, you know, uh, requires a finer attention when the mind is, is more finer, subtler. Mm. So there are various themes. And, you know, in, in retreat you you can pick up these themes and work with them from time to time, dependent on what feels or seems to be suitable, where the hindrance lies, where the... Karmic habits are strong and you want to counteract them. You begin to get to know your mind through trial and error. So it's certainly not an automatic technique experience. Mm. What does it mean to me? What's useful for me? Now this isn't like self view because uh, it's not about sometimes the medicine is rather you know painful or, but it's it's recognizing that there is a responsive mind here that um, you know needs to be picked up needs to be born in mind mm. You've got to. you got to come. You've got to take your meditation to this mind. You've got to come halfway, and then, then you get that. The mind will come the other part of the way to meet it. <coughs> and again, in um, Sri Lanka, they often they have. Um, several preliminary themes for recollection just almost to check out the temperature of the mind what, uh, just to, to run through and check it out see which ones seem to fit or which ones seem to stir or the, effect, the, the effects of them so there's Maranusati, recollection of, of death you know, bringing this into mind when the mind is, is reckless Outgoing Fantasizing Projecting into the future a lot You know It brings one brings the, It rains it in Pulls it in Gives one a sense of Also of urgency That With uh, Dying Death Dying Even Aging process Faculties diminish Strength diminishes Pain increases um, You know Let's not be blowing to blowing soap bubbles, and when we recollect this is the fate, the destiny of all of us, it also engenders some sense of compassion and uh, uh, tolerance and encouragement. You know, this is what happens to all of us. It's not. Um, create, regret, regrettable karma with each other that we have to then clear before we die or carry with us. A super kamatan, the recollection of the unattractive aspects of the body. And so one of the um, things that you know, people in Asia can do is you can actually witness uh, autopsies or bodies in various states of decay dead bodies in states of decay which you can't do here in England so much or at all really um, but if you op- you know you, you, you open up a body you recognize just how there's nothing in you wants to go in there at all <laughs> you know it's pretty it's not even a decision it's just a, a visceral shock of the uh the, the odors the uh, the, the issue from a, from a body you don't wanna you don't want to get anywhere near that thing you know, you know sometimes you, you can hardly stop yourself running out of the room um, so you know the uh, this helps when the mind is obsessed with getting into a body or holding on to a body and just to to realize that you you know, if you take away this rather thin film of skin around it, you, know, you really don't want to go near it. You don't, you don't from, a, from a lustful point of view. And it also, when you bring it into to your own body, recollecting just the bones, sinews, marrow, most of it's a kind of fluid mush and membranes and liquids, then it certainly brings around some disenchantment with one's physical appearance or not too fussed about whether there's a, a pimple on the nose or something like that, you know. <laughs> it just uh, it becomes less a, a statement of one's identity. You don't really want to make it an identity. It's just the form in nature. <clears throat> so that's, that's a useful if your mind whenever the mind bends that way or... And it is also something that's it's, uh, coarse. In other words, it, you can consider it, you can think it through. We mm. all mm. you know what blood and sinews and these... Uh, like, even if you haven't seen dead bodies. <coughs> Excrement and things of this nature inseparable from bodily existence. <clears throat> so when you see the kind of latest starlet photographed on a newspaper, you know, magazine, you know, just the, it sort of helps to realise that this deva like creature will be you know, defecating. It sort of tends to jar the illusory perceptions that aroused around his Photographs and things of this nature. Um, I think for a lot of uh, people, it's really helpful to cultivate the Brahma Vihara, Metta, Karana Mudita, loving kindness, compassion, gladness, appreci- you know, rejoicing in other people's welfare, and equanimity, sense of acknowledging karma that is equanimity is that sense of cause and effect things go up and down a person is inheriting the results of their their karma their old karma um so it takes some of the and it uh, some of the intensity out of it you know we tend to take a person's actions in the moment or what they're saying or Producing in the moment as being what they are, permanently, in some way, you know. And this is this, but you, when you start to recognize, well, this is only an aspect and it's a passing aspect and it's not even an aspect they're necessarily deciding to do, it's just the kind of programmed piece. It takes some of the emotional reactivity out of that. for good or for bad so I think this is helpful when we are in group situations we live in communities just developing these qualities of heart where the mind is actually encouraged to go out in not in a grabbing way but in a kind of bestowing way in a a nourishing way is the you know. certainly on retreats or in, in reclusive life I can find a sense of of a uh, kind of tightening up or getting intensely into myself you know kind of believing in my mind or getting very involved with it. So something that causes the mind to actually consider other people in a kindly, open way. It's really helpful. And also to consider oneself in a kindly, open, equanimous, appreciative way. So it goes both ways, doesn't it? This is meaningful. I think this is extremely meaningful to to release the tension or the the image the sense of oneself that arises when you start to encounter the hindrances one can easily make those into a self uh, the, the the blemishes the unevenness you make that into some kind of self rather than rather than you know calming activities um, that can be checked and what we so often Need encouragement is with is the that uh, we have we have the ability to do that. Now, when you give up on yourself, when you don't have that sense of kindness, support, <coughs> encouragement, equanimity, compassion, when you give up on yourself, then what because you One kind of doesn't bother, you know, just let it be the way it is. Uh, and uh, the so for you're lifting oneself up to realise we don't need the hindrances, we don't it's less, it's not worthy of us, it's not blaming yourself for hindrances but realising you know, I, I've got a choice, I can be better than ill will I can be bigger than greed, I can be you know, I can come out of this, so that sense of Recollecting kindness towards oneself, compassion towards oneself, appreciation towards oneself equanimity towards one's mind states I think is really helpful to <coughs> give you the basis for for trying you know? for for trying to get it clearer mm. yeah. for remembering you know, for recollecting yourself in a different way than in accordance with difficulties and hindrances. Mm. Buddha Nusati, recollection of the Buddha. This is a very lovely uh, o- opening. You know, we can get a sense of just receiving the Buddha, or Buddha, awakening, bring to mind the qualities of awakening. You know, that we re- we recite every day, qualities of the Buddha, pure, blessed, mm, skillful, you know, someone who is a uh, vijacarana sampana, skillful knowledge or clarity in terms of deeds, Conduct, knowing the world's training, teaching, so this sense of uh, a very you know feeling one can kind of trust and receive Buddha, and it's it's to me it's a sense of just kind of almost trusting and opening up and sitting back within um, that, 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 that sense of what it's like to just be a disciple rather than a kind of lone quester to be someone who can follow to, to be someone who doesn't have to have it all worked out but something is given, bestowed as we say, bestowing blessings on me and we can look at, you know, particular things in our lives sometimes that if we hadn't met a Buddhist teacher, if we hadn't met a Buddhist, come to a Buddhist monastery, if we hadn't been to a Buddhist holy place, or then certain things wouldn't have occurred. Some sights, some memories, some perceptions arose that triggered. You know, there's a way out of the, you know, the run of the mill. So that's precious. You know, it's considered uh, enormously valuable just to meet an uh, uh, a, well, priceless to meet a Buddha. Incredibly valuable to meet an enlightened being. Precious to even meet a wise being or a contemplative. You know, so these are ways in which you you bring that to mind. What what inspires? It lifts, isn't it? it lifts and steadies. Take some of the pressure off having to make it and do it. Devotion. I think it's very meaningful. Mm. What's well, considered often the most useful for developing mindfulness towards samadhi is anapanasati mindfulness of breathing in and out because this um, connects the mind to the body energy to the subtle body energy so it calms, steadies the body and the body calms and steadies the mind and it has very powerful long term effects where uh, you know we really get a sense of shifting into into Samadhi shifting out of the range of the hindrances, shifting out of the range of the sensory world, going to more subtle energetic dimension, you know, calm uh, joy or rapture, ease one pointedness uh, you know so we really can move to a to a, a subtler and more steady and stabilizing level, where a lot of the karmic energies actually can be uh, transmuted. You know, the roughness, the harshness, the jumpiness, the dullness, the stagnation, um, you know, the cramps, the tensions, the flaring up, the kind of of energy can be steadied and uh, transmuted, it's rather like you can do rewiring, you might say, in terms of your energy system. And that radically affects the kind of um, energies that come up into the mind, the pushiness, the forcefulness, the tightness, or the stagnation, the giddiness of the mind. You, know, you, you, you can't just do this through an idea or through an intention. You need to have a, um, a kind of resource that will do it. And so this quality of samadhi is the resource that, that heals and uh, harmonizes and strengthens and soothes. <coughs> and Anapanasati is one of the, is strongly recommended by the Buddha, main, main theme. Um, the drawback is it doesn't have a lot of grab in it you know whereas uh, seeing a dead body certainly grabs meeting a Buddha certainly grabs breathing in and out doesn't really grab (laughs) (coughs) most of the time so it takes some often you have to kind of work through some of the more obvious conscious recollections till the mind starts to steady Come into into um, into balance. It's not rushing out. It's not it's not caving in. And then, when we come into balance, we start to sense where am I? What's the body about? Where where do I feel my body? Where do I feel the body as a as a, a rupa, as a form, as a felt sense? The pressures, the warmth. the rhythms, the movements, the in turn, the subtler movements, and you feel the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. And uh, tune into it. Try to extend the tension <coughs> over the entire process of breathing in and breathing out. Recognize it's... Uh, the meaningful bit of it is, it's 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 circulating energy. So you breathe in, there's a kind of lift, and you breathe out, there's a certain release. And yeah, this doesn't this doesn't have a lot of grab to it. But when your mind becomes steadier, you start to move away from the. Uh, things to do, the, uh, the fears and agitations, the narratives, the stories, the, all that, the sensory world, then this becomes extremely meaningful because this is, in a way, our life thread. It's just this, just the breath at a time is our life thread and it's, uh, it sharpens and it cools and it soothes and it steadies the mind. So, as you practice, then you, you start to work around particular themes, see if it, your mind settles, and if you then pick up, what's the vitaka, bringing to mind, am I breathing, where is breathing, how do I know I'm breathing, what does it feel like, that's vitaka, and the vichara, um, evaluating it, is it soft, is it strong, is it complete, is it withheld, Am I breathing too much? Is it panting? Can it be cooler, steadier, less, softer? So you're questioning slowly and settling in, breathing and breathing out. And the pause is in between. The feelings that come up with it. So this is a way of steadying and then when if you have access to the I might say the preliminary recollections of death of unattractiveness of kindness of Buddha then if your mind rocks away or gets swept up by hindrances you've got things you can then come pull it back with Mm. and sometimes it's just a matter of acknowledging just a dreamy thought, you know, it could be just nothing, no big deal. Sometimes the mind really picks up a whole train of unskillful thoughts or unskillful emotions, and it's time to just put the medicine on, check it, pull it in, or lift it up, encourage it, bless it, give it a rest, you know, let it just sit and be present. Mm. So that that sense of trust in Buddha, trust in Dhamma, it's kind of when we're over exerting or impatient, over cooking, getting intense, something that one can have karmic tendencies towards. Do it, do it, do it, and then recollection of Buddha, recollection of Dhamma means just. Sit, be present, receive. Let it happen to you, let it come to you. It will come. Mm -hmm. You are breathing. You are alive. Let it come. Feel it, sense it. And then valuing that, staying with it.